One of the best parts about camping is just getting away from the hustle and bustle of it all. The worries at home, pressures of work, traffic. There's nothing better than a little taste of the great wide open to help get yourself a reset. While it's a wonderful thought, the reality of being out there in the elements isn't always as simple as you may expect. And time and time again, we hear warnings on the dangers involved when heading deep into the wilderness. There's wild animals, unforgiving weather, and of course, other human beings. While I encourage everyone to get out there for some fresh air, the stories on this list will make you think twice about pitching a tent. Here are five shocking disappearances of campers. Number five, Susan Yeager. While some individuals like to camp in solitude, others love to do it with friends and family. The Yeagers couldn't have been more excited to embark on their first ever family camping adventure. Preparations were made, and Bill, the dad, even took a month off of work just for this. His wife, Marietta, and her parents, as well as their children, were going along as well. It was June 24, 1973, and the Jaeger clan decided to stop for the night in the beautiful Missouri headwaters near Three Forks. They retired to bed to get an early start for their new location the following morning. That night, the Jaeger's 13-year-old daughter woke up to a draft. She noticed that a gaping hole had been cut into the side of their tent, and her attention was then diverted to where their younger sister, Susan, was supposed to be lying down, and she wasn't there. Panic stirred the entire camp. The parents thought the seven-year-old girl may have wandered out, but the man of the tribe immediately phoned police to report the incident. The cut in the tent led authorities to believe something sinister had actually occurred. Considering the gravity of the situation, officials opted to contact the FBI and the National Guard, who then employed boats, helicopters, and search dogs to look for the missing girl. Despite the huge effort, though, Susie couldn't be found. The lack of leads didn't stop police to dig deeper into the case, though. They questioned every possible suspect, mostly registered sex offenders who happened to be in the area. They got four of them, but one of them piqued their interest the most. This man told detectives he couldn't recall what he was doing at the time of the abduction. So they had him take a polygraph test and those results were inconclusive. Fast forward a few months and a man called the family telling them that he wasn't pleased with the FBI's involvement. A trace was then made at a Wyoming diner but when cops arrived there they found that no one was using the phone. Months then went by and another person had gone missing from that exact same area. Things took an interesting turn when during the investigation of the two cases, a local man named David Mirhofer joined the discussion among the cops. It's even weirder when Mirhofer began helping authorities with the searches. His knowledge of the locations prompted the FBI to recommend him going through a polygraph test when asked about his involvement in either of the crimes, he denied it, and the results indicated that he was telling the truth. Meanwhile, a profile of the perpetrator described it would be a man who had military training, was a loner, 
and possibly had schizophrenia. The profiler emphasized that schizophrenic individuals had the ability to believe in their own lies, which is why they could easily pass polygraph tests. All eyes were now on Miroff, or whom they found to be a former Marines communications specialist and had the skills to tap into telephone lines. These findings explain the mysterious Wyoming rest stop phone calls and the questionable polygraph results. A rigorous entrapment operation was then launched, and they ultimately caught Meerhofer red-handed. In 1974, a year after the incident, police ransacked one of his properties where they discovered Susie's remains. It was now impossible to know Susie's tragic circumstances since the Three Forks man committed suicide hours after his arrest. However, it's easy to assume that the first-time camper might have suffered greatly under the hands of her abductor. Number 4. Douglas Legg The disappearance of Douglas Legg may not have a happy ending, but it brought in changes that we can't all help but thank him for. Douglas Legg was only eight, but he already had this exemplary love for the outdoors. His family happened to have owned an expansive campground, now called the Santa Noni Preserve, which is in Newcomb in the Adirondack Mountains of New York. It's about 13,000 acres, and this piece of land boasts beautiful mountains and is surrounded by forests, lakes, and wilderness. There are also many wetlands in the area, including swamps and marshes. Dougie, as he was lovingly called, was at that site on July 10, 1971. He was hiking together with his uncle when the latter ordered him to return to camp to put on long pants. Somewhere along that half-mile stretch between his uncle and the campsite, something strange happened, and he disappeared, and no one knew where he went. Early reports said he had been spotted at a nearby ridge by his relatives, If this is so, then that would be the last time he was ever seen. What happened next was considered to be the largest search and rescue operation in New York State's history. Hundreds of multi-agency personnel plus thousands of civilian volunteers convened in this part of the state to look for the boy. The days and weeks that followed also saw multiple units of search helicopters and military aircrafts equipped with new heat-detecting technology combing through the forests and plains. What's worth noting, though, is that the efforts, as noble and selfless as they may seem, were somewhat fragmented and basically unorganized. Agencies and civilian sectors operated in a way that each would see fit. This resulted, ultimately, in failure. However, out of this blunder came forth the realization Searching for someone missing needs to be approached methodically and efficiently. What they've learned from Legg's large-scale search operation prompted them to become organized when looking for missing persons in the woods. Guidebooks were even written and rules were established to further emphasize its importance. Douglas Legg would have been in his 60s by now, but he's yet to be found. But if there's any consolation out of his tragic disappearance, it's that he has given hope to those who may go through the same ordeal. Number 3. 
David Gonzalez. What is one second can feel like an hour for some people. To others, an hour can pass by like a second. For David Gonzalez's mother, it's only a brief moment that passed, yet it changed her life forever. David was only nine when he went camping with his parents in San Bernardino National Forest in Northern California in July of 2004. At eight in the morning, the child asked his mother for the keys to their car. He said he only wanted to get the box of cookies that was left inside the vehicle. The mom didn't mind the request and gave the keys right away. She even watched the boy making his way towards their car, which was apparently only 50 yards away. Considering just how near the boy went and the point where she was standing, the woman turned to look away for just a brief moment. When she looked back, though, David was already gone, like he had never been there in the first place. Meanwhile, the box of cookies that the child wanted to have that day remained untouched inside the car. This meant that somewhere along his route, he vanished and never reached his intended destination. When the initial search turned up unsuccessful, the parents opted to contact the authorities. And the same information was given to them, and they were left baffled and couldn't figure out how all this had happened. Consequently, a team consisting of hundreds of individuals scoured the woods for young Gonzalez, but even then, they couldn't find a single trace of the boy. There was also not a single sign of a struggle, as investigators put it, it was as if he had never even been there at all. Interestingly, the mother did say during the initial investigation that she saw a beige-colored truck speeding out of the campgrounds around the time her son went missing. However, detectives were quite sure that there were no signs of a kidnapping, and so they opted not to follow up on that lead. That search lasted for more than a week, and still no progress was made, and after that, this put the case on the back burner. But then, about a year later, the decomposing body of the young boy was found about a mile away from where he had gone missing. This was strange considering that the area had been searched thoroughly. Everyone was puzzled, some even thinking that the body had been placed there after the fact. Given this shocking development, police surmised that Daniel could have been attacked by a mountain lion the marks on his bones were a clear telltale sign that this could be the case. As to why it was not seen initially, though, investigators said that the remains were likely covered in leaves and branches at the time. But if this was the case, the public was curious as to why Daniel hadn't at least screamed when he was nabbed by the wild animal. Most of all, how could an animal attack be devoid of any blood or signs of a struggle at the scene? Others questioned as to why police didn't follow up on the said beige truck that David's mother saw speeding out of the campsite. Though officially, the case has been ruled as a tragic accident, the case remains to be one of the strangest disappearances in history. Number 2. Dennis Martin Long before it got its bad connotation, pranks were actually fun jokes often pulled off between individuals who would usually just laugh about it after. As young as six years old, Dennis Martin already knew how to do one. However, his prank didn't end up well for him and his loved ones. 
It had been a tradition for the Martins to go hiking and camping every year to celebrate Father's Day. On June 13, 1969, Dennis, his brothers, along with their father and grandfather, went on an adventure at Spence Field, located in the Great Smoky Mountains National Park. It was so much fun, especially so that on the second day they met with friends and members of their extended family. On that same day, also, the children, including Dennis, thought of pulling a prank on the adults. They thought of hiding behind the nearby bushes with a plan to surprise them, and everyone then went into their hiding place. It wasn't a long time before the kids sprung up from their hiding spots, practically scaring the adults, but as soon as the laughter died down, the campers noticed that little Dennis hadn't come out from his spot. His father and everyone else began searching for him, and the older Martin quickly ran down and traced back the trail he believed his son would have taken. He had already covered two miles before he stopped, and at this point, he was quite sure that the kid hadn't gone any further. When all else failed, they opted to call in the National Park Service Rangers. Upon inspection, authorities discussed that the area was very difficult to survive for the missing boy, because aside from the steep slopes and ravines, the Great Smoky Mountains is also rife with wild animals like copperhead snakes, bears, feral hogs, and bobcats. To make matters worse, it rained heavily that day. This basically wiped out any trace that could have helped the searchers. They did discover later some sets of footprints, but they were found to be not his, but of the Boy Scouts who had joined the search. The case then went cold, and in place are several theories, including the possibility of a bear attack or that the child may have been abducted and eaten by cannibals. To this day, Dennis Martin's disappearance remains one of the most baffling mysteries to ever happen up in the Great Smoky Mountains. Number 1. Cleo Smith According to studies, it's rare for missing children to be found, let alone found alive and well. But sometimes miracles do happen. Quoba Blowholes is a popular but remote camping spot in McLeod, a town situated along Western Australia's coast. Since it's only about an hour's drive away from Carnarvon, it has been a routine for Cleo Smith and her family to visit the place for a weekend getaway. On October 15, 2021, the four-year-old was at the site together with her mom and her stepfather. On that night, the girl went to bed early, but woke up at about one in the morning the next day asking for water. After being given the water, she then returned to sleep. When the family woke up at six, they discovered that the child was missing. A foot-long opening was found in the tent that she was sleeping in. A brief search was made, but when this failed, they immediately called the police. A search team was deployed to scan the air, land, and sea, but even then, they couldn't see a trace of the preschooler. After a few days of a fruitless search, the Western Australia Police Force believed that Cleo's disappearance could have been a case of abduction. Investigations were made, and one of the glaring leads pointed out to a car hastily leaving the campground around 3 in the morning of October 17th. And a witness reported that they saw a vehicle speeding towards Carnarvon. 
Police quickly rounded up the registered sex offenders in the area. However, this effort proved futile as well. Regardless, though, it didn't stop them. They combed through hundreds of thousands of pieces of evidence, including CCTV footage and phone data. The aim was for them to find out who was in the location at the time of the abduction. Meanwhile, the Western Australian government put up a million dollars bounty for information on Cleo's whereabouts. And then came a shocking breakthrough. Cops said they traced a mobile phone number to a phone tower near the campsite. And the same number was tracked down towards a house in Tonkin Crescent and Carnarvon, about seven minutes away from Cleo's family's home. After securing a search warrant, West Australian police stormed the residence of a certain Terence Kelly on November 3, 2021, almost a month after the incident. Neighbors described this individual as someone who was very quiet and an oddball, the kind that you don't want to mingle with. Though the 36-year-old was not included in the initial group of suspects, evidence was quite conclusive that he could be a suspect in the kidnapping. Sure enough, when they arrived at his house, they discovered Cleo kept inside one of his rooms. The child was reportedly not harmed and appeared well, and she was rejoined to her family that same day. Cleo Smith's safe return brought joy and relief in her community, and had it not been for their determination and technology, who knows what could have happened to the girl. Hey, if you guys enjoyed that, please do subscribe and hit those notifications. Thank you so much for tuning in. I'll see you soon.